Hello there. Um, welcome to uh, the second um, Death of a Nightingale podcast and uh, welcome back if you came to the first one. Um, I want to begin this one with a, uh, a shock headline that was in the Times only yesterday um, because it sets the stage for what I want to talk about. Um, don't know whether you saw it. Millennials all over the world have lost faith in democracy. A survey of nearly 5 million people showed that those in their 20s and 30s, born between 1981 and 1996, had less faith in democratic institutions than their parents or grandparents did at the same time. And collapse of confidence is particularly pronounced in Anglo-Saxon democracies of Britain and the United States. Well, in my view, this is a serious situation. I can actually give you a little clue to it in my for what is worth now. I, I think a lot of democracy is sadly a sham. I think a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. And behind the smoke, uh, there are too many, far too many people who make um, playing charades um, uh, a way of life. And the mirrors, well, the mirrors, I think, are, are cracked. And when I talk about the mirrors, I'm talking about the media. Um, I think this highlights, in my view, the need to use this time um, for brain exercises. As I said last time, uh, we may have to lock down our bodies, but that's no good reason to lock down our brains. I think to some extent we should use our brains for enjoyment. I use it for bridge and, and, uh, uh, and chess and music, but serious stuff as well. And uh, I look forward to sharing my thoughts with you. Um, can I begin here uh, with a, an anecdote which I think is relevant? Um, uh, one of my involvements is uh, uh, being chairman of a, a residential care home and there was a lady there called Flo Wilkinson who lived to the splendid age of 105. Uh, when Jonathan Sachs paid a visit, pastoral visit, to the home, he made a beeline for this lady and he said, uh, what's, what's your explanation for your longevity? And she said, never stop learning. Well, that's true of me from day one. And furthermore, it goes more than that. In my book, uh, Death of a Nightingale, I, I, I quote T.S. Eliot for quartets. Um, we shall not cease for exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. As I said last time, the world isn't as I saw it when I was at university. Um, what I said last time was that um, I had a, a crystal ball, it was a bit cloudy, and since then the crystal ball has shattered as smithereens. Mercifully for me, I found another ball or balls to, to bounce around to take its place. But uh, I've had, as I said, a lot of experiences and they've changed my view of things, as you will see. Um, and uh, I am in a, a good position to talk about success in life because I've seen it around and I can talk about it meaningful to you. And we can look together at student loans and discuss to what extent they facilitate uh, a quest for success. Um, uh, as I said last time, I think it's extremely important to get success into, into people's lives. Um, the, um, not just for your own sake, but to the country. We're in a, uh, coming out of the, uh, this terrible virus. Uh, there's going to be a lot of 
problems around tsunamis with uh, mental health problems and fiscal issues and so on, and uh, Brexit as well. So the country needs people who are successful, who are winners. Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask you to tell, to think what you consider to be success, to make winners. What are, what are the essence of it? What are the ingredients of it? Um, for what it's worth, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I think it's such, it has to be something more uh, than just a, a good job and a fat salary. I think you're looking for some sort of fulfillment. I think you probably want uh, some long-term security, a pension. I think the money to enjoy yourselves, why not? Um, and also uh, 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 maybe uh, a stake in a house that you own. Th there are lots of factors, maybe some recognition. Uh, but anyway, you think around what you need to be successful. Um, then you've also got to recognize, I think, the roadblocks in the way of being successful. I think you've got to recognize uh, that a degree, it's not a passport to success. Uh, a degree may be not much more value than a London A to Z to a man lost in the jungle. And, and, and the world is a bit of a jungle. It's, it's, it's not a success if you're in a job and uh, you don't like it, you hate what you're asked to do, but you can't leave it because you've got bills to pay uh, or debts to repay. Um, it's not a success if you constantly feel that there's something that it, a step higher up there that you're being denied. There's a, the, you shouldn't necessarily be too greedy for yourself if you want success. Um, the uh, the other thing I have to warn you about are the people who are what I call dream uh, merchants. Um, now, let me tell you about dream merchants in the world today. I know I can recognize dream merchants because I once was a dream merchant when I was a, an active member of the Liberal Party. Um, I, I mean, my dream was to break the mould of British politics. And uh, Joe Grimmond was my man. He was going to march us all towards the sound of gunfire. Well, unfortunately, never got there. Well, I went to Liberal Party headquarters to try and bring the Liberal Party into the 20th century, halfway through it. And it was a job because I remember going in the hallway there and lifted the, the mat was lifted up and the dust went up to the ceiling. And the rooms were coloured with stained with nicotine. Um, but nevertheless, I enjoyed the ride. Uh, it was good for me. Uh, I was introduced to Bartley Powell, who was the, the party's first graphic designer, and that has stood me in good stead ever since. Well, there were great times. Uh, there was uh, the Orpington by-election, uh, which I was present at, probably shouldn't have been in the count, but never mind. And uh, there were some poorer, less good times when somebody ran off with some of the, the ballot papers. Well, you know, liberals shouldn't do that sort of thing. But of course, the one thing that I did see then was the Achilles heel of the liberal, and that is naivety. And it's sadly, it's there to this day. Um, and I'm afraid I've got to draw attention to it here because it's, it is a problem. Um, I've got this quote from Joe Swinson, who was the leader recently of the Lib Dems. Our party has long prided itself on its commitment to education as the great level and the best way to create social mobility and equality of opportunity in society. Well, I've got to say that to talk about levelling, and I know that egalitarians talk about levelling, is flat earth stuff. 
It is. It's flat earth stuff. The world is not like that and never will be like that. The world has in it winners and losers. It has hills and troughs. On the hills you will find people in pursuit of excellence. You will find the professionals who have a care for detail. And in the troughs you will find mediocrity and amateurishness. And it's very likely to stay that way. I'm afraid. And if you want to be a winner, I think you've got to aim for the hills. And it's no easy way. You've got to go there. And uh, this is the, uh, the the challenge that you have to face. The, um, the, the, the let, me, let me take it a stage further and say that um, you've got to be very careful when these dream merchants offer you human rights because people can offer you human rights but the rights may not contain any benefits so you've got to be careful about that I mean, I'll give you a classic illustration of that uh, and here's this situation I've been dealing with in Newcastle you'll see here uh, Gosforth High Street and you'll see here um, a, um, a pop-up cycle lane giving cyclists a right to to, to ride on it um, well, they've got a right to ride one way, but they haven't got a right to, to ride back. And they've got a right uh, to um, uh, they've got a right to uh, clean air, uh, but they won't find much clean air in that cycle lane alongside slow-moving um, traffic. So be careful of the rights there. Uh, when it came to special needs. Kids were given a right to special needs. Uh, kids were given a right to mainstream education. But a lot of them uh, were bullied um, in mainstream schools. So there's no great joy in that. Um, this, is the, this is the conundrum that you've got to be very careful about with human rights. Uh, people may offer you, they may offer you the right to a bed and you may expect a bed of roses, but you have got to make jolly sure that it's not a, a bed of nails. The other way of looking at human rights, and uh, I invite you to do this as well, is to think of people that you've seen in your own life who you would regard as successors. Um, I, I give you one illustration, which may be a strange one, but I think it's accurate. In Rotary, there was a guy uh, who comes to speak to us. He comes with his guide dog. Uh, he's blind. And uh, three things about him. The first is that he likes cricket. Well, it may be strange, but there you are. Cricket's a lot about records, and uh, uh, and wisdom is the Bible. But more than that, he played cricket, uh, probably not in the mainstream school, but with other people who had side problems. They played with a ball uh, filled with uh, with dried peas. Um, but even more than that, he went to the Caribbean and uh, to watch England against the West Indies, and he was invited to commentate. Well. You know, in his own way, he was a success. But I've seen success in a wider context. I've seen success in the Barbara Priestman School. The presentation evenings there were spectacular. Everybody was celebrating something, some victory or other. I mean, you've got the classics as well. Here, I mean, these kids, some of them went to the, the Paralympics. In Sydney, two of them came back with, with medals. Uh, there was the, the kid who... Uh, the blind kid who had an award for drawing a windmill. <laughs> uh, 
the, the, the Scout Award. There was uh, the pans that Steel Drum Band had had. That they had they were invited uh, around every every week, uh, and uh, they had national recognition. Now all these people were winners. Not just they were winners, but their parents and teachers and carers were all winners. And there's, and there's not much talk then about disadvantaged. There's no time for talk about being disadvantaged in situations like that. Um, they were really just cracking on with things. And uh, uh, that is, is, is again uh, something that's left me with a very strong memory about how people can make success of their lives. And one person in particular, uh, there was a, a girl at the school called Ashley uh, Ritchie, now Ashley Watts. Now, she was a feisty lass when she was at school. And uh, I've got a picture of her here. Uh, she was campaigning uh, with the parents there who raised the 14,000 reasoned objections to closure. And here she's with them. I've got another picture of her where she's uh, lobbying with uh, lobbying with parents, David Blunkett in London. Um, but I've also got more recent pictures of her because uh, she's a very great friend of ours. And uh, uh, we were invited to her wedding not all that long ago. And uh, here's a, a picture of her. And there's a, this is a picture of her dancing at her wedding. Now she's the sort of person who 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 took um, her husband to be to Dance City in Newcastle to learn how to dance with somebody in a wheelchair. Wow! <laughs> and I've got another picture of her here, and this is where she is with her teachers. She surrounded herself with. She hadn't forgotten them because she knows how much they contributed to her being what the sort of person that she is. Uh, what I learned from Ashley was that there's altogether different, uh, that self-esteem is altogether better than parity of esteem. And uh, it's something which you yourselves should think about. The, uh, the In my play Death of a Nightingale, I constructed a narrator, uh, Tracy. And Tracy, I have to tell you, Tracy is uh, uh, is Ashley. Uh, forgive me if I just have a little drink. But just carrying that just a little bit further before I conclude. Um, as I said earlier on, um, Joe Swinson talked about equality of opportunity. And I guess most people say that that's of the essence, equality of opportunity. Well, I now qualify that. Because if you're talking about equality of opportunity to go to university, truth be told, that applies only to half the school population. The other half are not going to go there. And if they fail to get there, then in a sort of a way, they're failures. I think it's a serious question, so if you want to have winners from that segment of society, whether they should have an entirely different curriculum uh, and not to select for, for personal choice between one and the other. And uh, I mean, my mind goes back to uh, Barbara Peaceman School again. And uh, in that school, there was a teacher who was teaching uh, baking cakes. Well, um, I think it's a good idea to teach kids to cook and maybe cook and eat healthily. No bad thing. Um, but lots of subjects which could be taught there. DIY. Um, um, 
art and music and design and so on could be taught there. And even things like sports and games you could teach there. Um, get, don't, don't eliminate games. Uh, Monopoly would be a very good training ground for entrepreneurs and house and hotel builders. Um, I know somebody, a young couple who, in fact, are just putting on the market a game called Cozy Juicy Real. And this is a game which uh, they hope to market. Well, you see, if you open up the subject, there's no knowing where it can lead. And this is, this is the way I think your mind should be going. But I just want to talk one little bit more about um, the, the winners that I've seen around. And that's my old company. Well, I have to say that I have had no financial interest in that company since I left it uh, because um, uh, I, I, I just wanted to get away from the rat race altogether. And uh, although I had my measure of success in the company, what has happened since I left it has been amazing. Um, that when I joined the company initially, it had a turnover of about a hundred thousand pounds. Well, now it's a turnover of three hundred million. And uh, I've got to say that that is a uh, that has produced a lot of winners. The staff are winners. Uh, the and, and I know some of them stay the same staff um, since I was there for quite a lot of years ago. The staff are winners. The uh, uh, investors are winners, and some of the investors I'd ha have you remember are, um, in fact, uh, hold pension funds. So it's not just uh, wealthy people who are uh, who are investors. Uh, then the manufacturers are winners, and the customers themselves are winners. Uh, all these people are winners uh, in in this world. And what the, what in fact this tells you, it tells you. Uh, what, the nature of capitalism, um, and not just capitalism, but the, the, how dynamic capitalism can be, um, because all of this happened in a lifetime. And, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, competition is a spur, and profit, profit is what you call a sine qua non, that is without with nothing. And just believe me, that is the case. So th this is again something which I think you should come to terms with because uh, I'm trying to tell you that Karl Marx, in my view, knows about as much about 21st century capitalism as the man in the moon knows about the Apollo project. So again, allow your brain to think around these subjects. That's what I would hope you're going to do. Well, anyway, I've spoken enough for today and I think next time we will look more at um, uh, student loans and see to what extent they do um, encourage you to be a success. I think they need to be improved dramatically. I think currently they shortchange you. But that's uh, for next time. Thank you very much for being with me today and I wish you well in the meantime. Keep well, keep safe.